Hi, nonprofiteers. Welcome to Nonprofit Biz Talk with your host, Tracy V. Allen, nonprofit strategist. Nonprofit Biz Talk is about giving you the knowledge, skills, strategies, and concepts to manage, build, and grow a nonprofit organization that will positively impact the community you serve. Today I have with me Ronisha Strickland Roberts. Um, she's going to be here to talk about programs with us today. Ronisha, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, good evening, everyone. Uh, again, my name is Renisha Strickland Roberts, and I am the owner and principal consultant at Volcano Consulting. Uh, at Volcano Consulting, we specialize in public health and some allied health um, education, training, writing, including grant writing, program evaluation, a little bit of research, um, but we're a multidisciplinary public health consulting company. Awesome, 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 awesome. So based on what Ronisha has just said, we know that she is uniquely um, equipped to talk to us about data because I keep talking to you guys about data and data is king. And in the public health industry, data rules. <laughs> so she's going to talk to us to, today. Oh, she's going to talk today about programs and how data um, envelops programs and makes them better and how you can use them, I guess, towards grant writing because they definitely need data when you're going to write grants. So go ahead, Renisha. Absolutely. So what, what I plan to talk about tonight was kind of just um, starting with some simple concepts about program design and development or planning and kind of move towards more uh, complex program implementation strategies. Um, yes, data is, is king. Um, when you're trying to get funding, you need to have evidence of effectiveness. Um, and when you're running a program, you want to know that you're doing things that make sense and that um, are not c costly or in time or money. Um, so you want to be measuring yourself and, and all of that is under the umbrella of collecting data. Um, but, you know, I have a lot of people call me and they want a grant written. And uh, once I start to ask them about, you know, the things that they haven't have planned to do, they don't always have a plan. <laughs> they just have an idea and they, I think, leave it kind of leave it up to us to try to figure out what they should do. Um, but you need to come to a, a grant writing or other similar consultant with a plan yourself. Uh, we don't know what you're doing as well as you do. You should be the expert at what you do, what you currently do and what you plan to do. Um, so I start, uh, do, I do a little bit of backing up before we write any grants, we need to have a program. And so I just want to jump through a couple of steps of program planning and development that are really simple and may sound really obvious when I start to say them. But um, they're not as obvious when you're, you're in the middle of things and when you're, you know, just trying to get, make a name for yourself or your organization or to get your program running. So hopefully these will sound familiar and they'll be simple, but uh, they're, wor they're still worth saying. Um, one of my kind of mantras is I, I like to say the simple things because 
everything's not obvious. Um, when you have so many distractions, sometimes you need someone to tell you the obvious yes. things. <laughs> I so, agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, if you're thinking about doing a program, you need to first do some sort of community assessment or analysis. You need to figure out who your t target population is, who's your audience. You need to, in, um, when you do so, you want to use primary or secondary data. Primary data would be information that you've collected yourself, and hopefully you are already doing that. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. You can have a spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet. You can have a notebook. If you're writing things down and that's all you can do right now, that's good enough as long as you're keeping information. Um, eventually, I would suggest that you get a little more fancy with it, but um, you just need to have information down. So primary data is what you're collecting yourself. Secondary data is what someone else collected, um, but that information happens to suit your target population or the area or the um, subject matter that you're working in. So you want to collect that kind of information. If you want to start a youth program, you need information on youth. You need to know what the um, composition of youth are in your city or your county, wherever you plan to serve. If it's just a neighborhood, what's the composition of young people in that neighborhood? So you need to have that information. And then you need to understand what the problems are and have some information to back up what the issues are. Um, most of all, you need to be able to find and substantiate any gaps in services. So if there are plenty of youth programs, but this particular thing is not being done by any of them, that might be something that you, a, a gap you need to fill if you're qualified and, you, and that's something you want to do. Um, but you definitely need to look at gaps and you need to make sure that you're not duplicating services. So if there's already a youth program down the street from you, and they're doing all the things that you're doing. It may not be advantageous of you to, to do the same things that they're doing. Um, may not. It just depends on where you are in the population. But the point is, know your population and the community you plan to serve. Um, if you're just starting out, again, just write things down. Make sure that you're writing. Sorry, I keep looking down, but I have some notes in front of me. Um, I like to talk about the five W's, and we all learned those in elementary school, the who, what, when, where, why, and then the how. The how. <laughs> yeah. So you want to know who you're serving. We talked a little bit about that. If you're serving youth, you need to know things about youth populations. You need to know how they receive messages, how to communicate with them, where, where do you find youth. Where do you find the subpopulations in the youth that you want to serve? Do you want to serve female youth or male youth or youth in a certain age bracket? You know, who are you going to serve? So you need to know those details. When, you're, when are you going to serve them? So uh, that means what time of day, what day of week, um, and it also means how often. So are you going to run your program once a month, every week, uh, just through the summer, whatever that is, make sure that you, you that's clear and you have and write it down. Um, and then there are some programs that are that run on a different frequency. Some run for three months and then they're off three months. You know, those types of details you need to have pretty solid understanding of what you plan to do. Also, um, 
again, up with subpopulations. If you're serving youth, are you serving youth parents? Are you serving a certain gender or a certain age or a youth with a particular role, like an athlete or um, have certain uh, youth that have certain interests? So just be really, really detailed about who you plan to serve um, and when you plan to serve them. Think about where you'll, ser you'll serve them. Um, again, city, zip code, county, neighborhood, yeah. where are you going to be providing these services at? Why you're serving them is really important. So I also have a lot of people who reach out and they're looking for assistance either with grant writing or they, they need to talk about their program design and they are just doing things. You know, they're just I call it throwing paint, um, <laughs> throwing paper against the wall and hoping that it will stick. Yeah, that's what I call it. So they're always well-meaning. They're always yes. really passionate. They're always altruistic, and they're you know sacrificing all of these things. But they haven't done the the assessment to know if what they're doing is actually necessary. You know, sometimes just because somebody's showing up at your program doesn't mean it's going to have a community impact, and that is what funders are looking for. They want to know that you're you're making an impact in the community. Um, so we I really try to do an assessment of uh, the current activities if there are any and we try to understand you know is this worth your time essentially is this something that you should be doing um, especially if you are looking to be not just grant funding but sponsorships donors, you know, people want to know that their dollars are making an impact. It's not just about having what we call butts in the seat, but, right. you know, we need to have some sort of positive outcomes. And um, again, that's where data comes in, but I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, and then also, so where am I? On the why? Yeah. Why are you serving them? Um, are you serving them because they are underexposed? They don't get... Um, health education or they don't get uh, mentorship or whatever it is, is that the reason that you're serving them? I hope that is. And I hope that you plan activities that will help alleviate that problem. And so you have to have a focus. And then how are you going to serve them? What are you going to do that's going to alleviate the issues? Uh, and the how you do that is really important. What specific activity are you going to conduct that is directly linked to some sort of positive outcome for that population? So you really have to think about it in really specific and somewhat linear ideology. You know, you have to, from A to B, what is, what is A and what is B? What's going to be the outcome? Um, your activities need to be planned. So you can't just, like, I'll give you an example. So I had someone call me who had a food program, food assistance program, a mentoring program, an after-school reading program, a tutoring program. She had all of these programs. And um, she, again, you know, she was really passionate. She was hardworking. She was doing this stuff around the clock. She was taken out of our own pocket. But what did the youth really need? Um, I think through our conversations, we figured out that what was most important and what was creating the most impact was an after-school program. So you, my advice to her was you need to focus on that. Um, not that you can't do those things if you find that you're doing 
something and there's other needs, but you need to do one thing well. One or two things really well, get that down packed, get you some evidence and some data behind that, and then you can, then you can start to justify ex expansions like other programs or other activities. So keep it really simple. You know, we're going to give a self-esteem class, and that self-esteem class is supposed to increase self-esteem. Mm -hmm. That simple. <laughs> Not we're going to feed them because if they're, if they're hungry, their self-esteem is, is affected. That's true, but if your goal is to increase self-esteem, you need to stick to the activities that are meant to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I've been talking for a second. I just wanted to pause. <laughs> Any comments or questions? No? Mm, no. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, and so some other things you want to think about is what are your current resources? What do you already have in your favor? Um, do you already have space? Do you already have contacts? You know, don't underestimate contacts. Um, if you know a lot of people who would be interested in what you're doing, that can go such a long way because if, sometimes if you have contacts and nothing else, you can get the other stuff. Um, so it's really important to not live in a silo, talk to other people about what you want to do, and know how to ask for what you need. Um, so know no and understand what your current resources are and what you need and be realistic about that. Even when you're asking for funds from someone, if you're asking for grant funding or sponsorship or donors, donors um, you still want to be realistic with them. Hey, we have this, but we, we can't do this. Or, you know, if we had your funding or your support, this is what we could do. So be really realistic about it. I think a lot of, um, especially young nonprofits, they feel like they have to be all put together and everything has to sound good and everything has to look good. And you have to have all these fancy promotional items and glittery stuff. Yes. But um, you just need to really be realistic. Yeah. So, um, be realistic. Not only that, they want to have all the glittery stuff, like you said, but the foundation isn't there. They don't have the community right. surveys, which should be done even before you start a program. That's this right. should be done at the onset of you thinking about a nonprofit organization. If you have an idea for a mission, you see a need in the community, you need to validate that need. And the right. only way you can validate that need is to go out into the community and find out if the community really wants what you um, are going to be serving and how they want it. Because what we think, or the way I Absolutely. think, Absolutely. because I'm coming from a teaching background, so the way I write out my lesson plan and I perceive this lesson, and I keep telling this story, I, it, ha it has happened to me so many times because I taught for like over 15 years. So I write this beautiful lesson plan and I have it everything you know, timed out five minutes for this, 10 minutes for this, you know, 20 minutes for this. The whole lesson is, I mean, beautiful. And I get in the classroom <laughs> and I start teaching and I'm up there patting myself on my back, you know, mentally, because I'm thinking that this is the bomb.com. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, these kids are going to love this lesson. They're going to leave. They're all pumped up like, oh, yes, Miss Allen did a great job. And you get up there and you start teaching, and the classroom is dead yeah. silent. Like, you know, when you listen, you watch cartoons as a kid and they play the crickets when nobody's on. <laughs> yeah. 
that's what is uh, is listening. So you yeah. that's what the classroom was like, and you turn around and you're like, so so now how what? am I doing? Like you know, like do you understand what's going on? And they're looking at you with blank, glossy eyes, like we didn't understand a thing you just yeah. said. Yeah, and you well, have to already know. <laughs> right <laughs> you know and you have to be um ready and able to readjust whatever Absolutely. it is that you plan to meet the need of the population um that you're serving and my population is my students and i have an outcome that i need to meet so right. if what i planned in my head does not meet their um learning style i have to adjust it because at the end of the day the outcome has to be met. That's right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has that's to be right. met. And so that's that, the same thing with nonprofits. When you are going to serve the community, you have a mission, you have a vision, and you have outcomes in between there that have to be met. And the only way you can do that is to find out how the population wants what you want to serve. Because right. the way how you think you want to serve it may not be the best way for them to receive it. So sure. I just love that whole breakdown that you said, the who, what, when, why, and how, and that's like the principle of um, program planning. Even when you're a teacher and you're doing your lesson yeah. plans and you're doing your curriculums, I need to know the who, what, when, why, and how of what I am going to, why am I teaching it to these kids? Why do they need to learn this? <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, I couldn't figure out, even though I wanted to become a doctor, really and truly, I, do I need to know trigonometry in order to? <laughs> like, do I need to know trigonometry? Yeah, to, to give some medication to somebody. Like, when am I ever going to work on a trigonometry problem? Yeah. Seriously. Never. And that's why a lot of kids like zone out in high school or junior high because they cannot see the correlation of what you're teaching them right. and how it's going to help them in real life. It's the same thing with your nonprofit. I just, I mean, yeah, it sounds like I'm that, digressing, but it's the same no, thing. all of that's true. <laughs> all of that is, is very true. And to believe, and believe it or not, uh, a lot of public health planning and programs aligns with a lot of educational strategies. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it totally makes sense. But there, there's something we say, you know, things are different between theory and practice always. So the idea in your head, that theory that you have, um, your pro, your plan for your classroom curriculum, you have that theory and that idea in your head, but it's always different in real life. Yeah. People are dynamic, they're ever-changing, their attitudes, behaviors, thoughts, um, and all of their, the things that they know change from minute to minute. And so, you know, real life is very different than what we have in our head. You can just always expect that. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't plan and that you can't anticipate, but doing things like community assessments will give you an idea of what the needs are or how you can reach people. I'll give another example. This has happened actually several times that I know of. So people have these great ideas and there are some really good programs out there and they are, although they don't have a, a nonprofit or a public health or a program or um, community health uh, background, they are doing most things right. Um, but what I've seen over and over again is people building programs and getting funding for them and implementing them in uh, underserved communities, for example, and don't provide transportation or don't have a transportation partner. So it's not if you build it, they, w they will come. 
because Definitely they not. will not come if they don't have a ride. Not so, only that, yeah. <laughs> we talked about the ride. I work for um, Urban League, and we, they offer a GED for, um, prep for people who haven't graduated from high school. And one of the other big things, they gave bus passes so that, you know, the adults could come because they didn't want that to be an excuse. But another thing that they realized was that um, the students, female students especially, had issues with daycare. Yeah, and so that's yeah, that's another partner. That's another. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing that people forget about. Mm -hmm. So that that was going to be my next point. Think about your population's barriers. You know, you can't just, you know, people like the glitter, and I'm not, I'm nothing against the glitter. Like you know, I I think everybody should have a fancy bag and you know, <laughs> cute pens and pencils and buttons and you know th there's nothing wrong with those things but before you do all of that make sure that they have child care or transportation make sure you're not scheduling it your program in the middle of the work day but you're serving parents mm -hmm. you know those kinds of things are really simple but they can make or break a program and I've seen it over and over and over again um, the other place I'm this is a little bit off tangent but um, when I do grant writing uh, trainings or workshops when I talk about the budget make sure you're putting these things in your budget mm -hmm. um, if you're looking for funding because and not that you have to provide childcare but address that need through a partnership um, you know some funders are probably not going to pay for childcare or transportation or food or whatever it is that you feel your population needs or you have not feel your population needs that you have discovered that your population needs mm -hmm. um, but you can you can fill those gaps with volunteers or partners so just but having it on your radar is the most important first step yeah awesome yeah it's true um i like to call them the subcategories of programming <laughs> you know yeah. so you have the program and as the program is running and that's why assessment and data is so important because yes. as the program is running you're going to see the different needs of your students or your community as you serve them you're going to yeah. find out that okay so i wanted to feed. let's just say i wanted to feed the population so i have a soup kitchen then i'm gonna probably figure out that a lot of my um the people who are coming in are maybe homeless and maybe i need to partner with somebody right. who does housing i exactly. may find out that a lot of them have mental illnesses i need to partner that's um, right with a mental ill um mental health um facility I may need to partner with a clinic, you know, a lot right. of them may be undereducated. So I need to probably offer or partner with someone else who does a GED program. You know, there are just so many things yeah. that can come out. Cause like you said, people are multidimensional. They're not, we don't, don't fit into one little box. That's we right. come out the box. We spill outside the box. Always. You know? <laughs> We're like a volcano. We're forever. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. can't, you can't, one thing of it, like the only thing constant when it comes to people is change mm -hmm. and people will be one person this minute and another person the next, you just never exactly. know. And so you can't um, rely on that idea in your head. Of course, ideas are good because that's where great things start, but um, you need to do a little more work before um, just running with an idea. Mm -hmm. um, and back to data, I wanted to talk a little bit more so if you've gotten to this point and you've got all these things together you know the five W's you know how you're gonna serve them in what manner um, 
then you need to think about how you're measuring your program. Um, by the way, uh, this is everything I'm discussing here is what I feel is the most important part of grant writing. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a grant writer or you're about to start writing a grant yourself, your program design is going to get you a lot more points than anything else. Yeah. Um, your program design has got to be pretty, it's got to be lit. It's got to be yeah, put together. It does. <laughs> it really, really does. You know, your case right. statement, your need assessment, these things yes. you need to, and that comes out, that comes about from doing your research and taking the time to actually write out a comprehensive program. Right. And I, you know, and I do understand, you know, most people don't have our backgrounds. Um, they, they're, they have a great idea or they want to step out and, and do something good. Um, but just remember to think in details and be specific. You know, you can learn the jargon along the way. Um, you, you will learn lots of lessons, but make sure you're learning from them and don't try to silo yourself. I'm going to say that again because all too often people are trying to do everything by themselves and they don't, they're afraid to partner with other people because they feel like, they're going to steal an idea or they're going <laughs> to, something's going to happen awful. And, um, you know, that's, that's just not a plan for success. It really isn't. Um, and many funders won't even consider you for exactly. funding without partnerships. You have got right. to get you out and play. In the same I'm glad you yeah. said that. You have yeah. to partner. You have to have meaningful partnerships. <laughs> let's, let me stress, yeah. meaningful partnerships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we because need to make sometimes that. Sometimes you tell people they need to partner and they go out and they like one person I um I Yeah. <laughs> she needed to get some partners uh -oh. and she went out and I think like in a week she partnered with like 15 people. I'm like, but what are they bringing to the table? This doesn't make right. sense. How does their mission align with your mission? It has to be mission centered. What is the give That's and take? Right. There is none. Okay. That's right. How, is it going to help you with funding? Is it going? What is it doing for you? If it's exactly. not doing anything for you, then you don't need it. That's just dead weight that you're carrying around. Right. Your plan on paper needs to match what you want to do in real life, mm -hmm. um, and, and vice versa. So you know, and and those things may change, but you'll adjust and you'll put it back on paper. On paper. Right. And you know, you'll keep. That's going to be an endless cycle. You know, measuring your success and program evaluation is really what we're talking about is, is an ongoing um, task. It's not something you do once and stop doing it because things will always change. Science changes, information changes, people changes, people change. So, you know, it's something that you're constantly having to keep up with. But again, if you can just get yourself a simple Excel spreadsheet make a questionnaire, even if you're not, you know, we have our scientific ways of, you know, administering surveys and questionnaires. And, you know, there is a scientific method for those things. But I think for most people who are running nonprofits, they don't, they just need to think about the basics and think about things in detail. Um, and you'll learn, you kind of, I find that you'll kind of learn the science along the way, you know, and without even knowing it. Um, if you're, if you're diligent and if you're, um, you, you're trying to do the, the right things all the time. Um, but, uh, we call tools and instruments, things like, um, questionnaires, um, 
forms that people fill out, uh, polls, whatever, case notes, um, sign-in sheets. These, mm -hmm. Those are the tools and instruments that you need to be getting, to, getting together and, and keeping a record of. You know, I can't tell you how many people have I've spoken to or have encountered who have been doing, I've been doing workshops for three years and they don't have one sign-in sheet. They can't, they literally can't say we've served X amount of people in three years. Like the most basic kind of data that will right. be asked for in a grant or any other funding endeavor, they're going to want to know, okay, well, you've been doing this. Well, how many people did you serve? That's a natural question. Yes. Um, but, but again, simple, but you got to remember to think of those things. Exactly. Um, um, one of the things I, um, I tell people all the time too, is when you're um, running programs, you have to make sure that you have an evaluation process to make Absolutely. sure that you're meeting your outcomes, that you're meeting your benchmarks along the way. Because sometimes, like we just talked about, even though the program is well written out, the need of the population, maybe they're not where you thought they were. If you're running, say, like right. a GED program, they may not be where you think they are. So they may come in for GED um, classes, but really and truly, they need ABE classes mm -hmm. before they can get to GED. So it right. may be that you need to reassess and reshuffle and start an ABE program and then transition them into Absolutely. The That's the other thing people don't like to do. So yeah. they, they're doing what they're passionate about, which is always good, but it, it can't stand alone. It has to make sense, um, and it has to have some sort of measurable impact or outcome that that people can see not just funders but the community if you want support you've got to be presenting something um other than your your participants staying in the same place that they were when they first came to you and you have the only way that anybody knows that is you have proper documentation mm -hmm. so there are different types of evaluation processes again i try to keep things simple um, you know, of course, if you hire me to do evaluation, then I have to think about the science a lot clo more closely. But, you know, for for most people who, who don't have a public health or nonprofit background, they just need to know the things they need to do. They, they don't need to know the jargon. They don't need to know the terminology. Uh -huh. But, you know, there you can evaluate a program before you implement it with a community assessment or analysis. Or you can, um, if you already have your program idea, you can do what we call a pilot, where you can just do a practice run with the population that you plan to serve. And all you're going to do during that pilot period is find the things that went wrong, find yeah. the things that went, 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 well, went well, and you're going to record it all. You're going to, <laughs> that's the biggest part of it. You're going to record it all. And then you're going to take some time to make corrections mm -hmm. and then do it again. Um, either through full implementation or another pilot, another yes. practice. Do it until you get it as close to right as you probably, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. Exactly. But, but it really pays off to, to plan this into your program strategy. Yes. So you can do evaluation before, during, and after programs. Um, it just depends on what it is you're, you're trying to measure. Um, during a program, you want to know, are the participants enjoying your program? Do they find the program beneficial? Are your partners do, playing their part? Are they taking on the role that, they, that you initially thought that they would? Um, do you need to cut back on partners? Do you need to add partners? 
Um, are your staff satisfied with what's going on? Are they having issues or trouble with logistics or um, training issues or training needs? Do they need professional development? So you can also evaluate throughout your program. And then, of course, at the end, you want to make sure that your program, so there's kind of two ways you can look at programs at the end. You can look at how that impacted each individual, you know, and collectively did those individuals have an overall positive outcome. And then you can look at your community impact. Um, you can think about, um, let's say, for instance, a program that feeds the homeless. So their, their outcome is that person is not hungry at the end of the day. Um, but that itself doesn't do a whole lot for community impact. So what would do a lot for community impact is if you have a, a organization that does things like educational assistance, um, home housing assistance, food assistance, it, it, it goes a little more in depth. And then we can say, well, now the, the, the total homeless population has gone down. We're doing, we need to do less feedings now. The one thing we say in, uh, about public health is we are constantly trying to work ourselves out of a job because we want to make impact. You know, and of course, we probably will never do that, but our goal is to get rid of the problems. We don't want people to have to have to come back to us. So, you know, same idea and concept in, in nonprofit in the nonprofit world. You right. really want to get to a point where you're no longer needed. That's what you should be working towards every day. And um, when you talked about, you know, trans transitioning from say the homeless pop feeding the homeless popula population and finding out that you know they need these other services and these services help them to maybe get off the streets and get a job a lot of um, nonprofit organizations think that because they partnered with other organizations to provide these subservices that they can't take credit for it they can't use those oh. statistics on their grants and nothing could be further from the truth that's right you know you're the one who made the partnership the client came to you initially and you were able to feed them out to the various um, other organizations to get the services that they need. So it's that client is still your client. So, <laughs> you know? so I want to take that a step further. When it comes to data, if you have partners, you should be figuring out how you're sharing data. Yeah. And so that nobody has to worry about who takes credit for what. If I refer someone to you, and I have a process for tracking that referral and figuring out what happens to that person, then that, those, those numbers belong to me as well as my partner. Yes. And so that's another, um, another task that you need to do, you know, depending on the program. Um, you need to, to do each other a favor and make it so that, you know, even, again, if you're sharing a, a Google if you're sharing a Google spreadsheet, then just make it accessible to everyone and everyone's responsible for filling in that spreadsheet and all of you use it. Yeah. And um, I like to tell them that after our program is finished as well, they need to follow up. So if I was running a GED program and at the end, my outcome is to have them um, pass a GED test then I need to know what happened after you passed the GED test. Yeah. So you can't just yeah. pass the GED test and I say, oh, it was nice seeing you. Bye. You know? Did you get That's a job? Did you enroll you know, in like you yeah. talk, Right. You talked about impact. I need to know how far does this impact reach? So like you said, did you go to college? Did you go to community college? Did you go to trade school? 
were you able to get a job now? Did you get a better paying job if you had a job exactly. before? Did you move from yeah. McDonald's to maybe um, some corporate office? I'm just saying, you know, right. what mm-hmm. happened? How did getting the GED impact your children? You right. know, are your kids doing better in school? Can you, you know, help maybe you got a child who dropped yeah. out of school. Now, did that child enter my GED program too? Am I making impact across the board in the community? The impact is not just on one person. It should trickle down into other people within your community. That's the idea. That's something you really need to think about. Keep data. And I tell them, follow up with your clients for at least two to three years. You know, it doesn't take that much. It's an email. It's a phone call. You know, one, um, maybe every quarter you call just to see, hey, what's going on? If you're doing job services, job services is another one that I like to talk about a lot. I see um, nonprofit organizations that do career services and they'll help them create their resume, do the um, interview, take them to dress for success, get the, um, get a nice outfit, (laughs) you know, get them a job and then bam, that's it. They're done. You don't know what happened to this person when they went on the job. They may need subservices again. Like right. they may need a bus pass for the first three months so they can catch themselves. You know, they may not have the money yeah. to get, to get that bus pass. They may need help getting babysitting for their kids so that they can get to work on time. You know, were right. they able to go on the job and perform? If they weren't, did they lose their job? Do they need your services again to help them find a job? And then you need to fix whatever happened the first time around. So there's just, I mean, there's so many layers to the services (laughs) that you provide. They're just not one dimensional. Like I can't say that enough. We want to provide one service and that's it. But the services have so many subcategories and you have to be cognizant of that. You have to be aware. You have to be evaluating. And like you said, recording data data just keep a lot of data yeah data sounds like actually a big analyze word. it just don't write it yeah. down actually sit down That's with it. your team and analyze the data and see where you can fill in the gaps like you said earlier that's right yeah data sounds like a big scary word but it really is just you recording things um you know even if you don't if you're not some data scientist and you don't know about statistics and you know biostatistics and social science and so on you as as long as you've got it down somebody else can help you with the rest of that yeah. stuff but you can't and I'll, I'm going to say this because some people expect this too. Um, you can't expect to call me and have me make it up for you. Um, right. <laughs> we, we, we can't just fabricate these things and we can't guess and, you know, have guesstimates. We need to have solid information because one thing for sure is that that information, if it doesn't match up, you will see it in a grant proposal. No matter how well written it is, if things don't seem to line up, it's going to show to a, to a seasoned grant reviewer. Um, and I also do grant reviews and I've seen it. Uh, well, you said you served this many people, but a third of those people came half of the time. You know, you, we, I start to look a little deeper into the numbers. And so you really shouldn't try to make a habit of, of outsmarting these reviewers because they're smart people. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention when it comes to data is another thing that people um, have a little bit of an issue with is understanding the difference between an antidote and, and evidence. There's a difference. You know, an antidote, uh, uh, there's an example I give in my um, grant writing course of, um, excuse me, of 
let's say you're running a, a program for young women and you're looking to improve their self-esteem. Well, every after every session you go out, you know, as everybody's leaving and you're greeting parents, you're asking the girls, you know, do you feel your self-esteem is, is improving since you've been in this program? And let's say you, today you asked 10 and, and nine of them said yes. Um, but what what do you do with that now? Do you, do you say, oh, well, they said that, you know, they told me that they were having an improvement in self-esteem. That's not enough. No, it's not enough. And that's anecdotal evidence. And there's, again, nothing in itself wrong with that. But that's not tangible. It's not something um, that that is it's not evidence. So what would evidence be? Evidence would be having a questionnaire and asking the youth and having it recorded. Um, that's, that's not proof. And that's not, that doesn't make it the truth that your program increases self-esteem, but now you have evidence that it does. Um, and so, you know, for most things, we're not going to get to the truth. So, you know, if you're, if, for example, under the same example, you know, their self-esteem could be improving because they're in another program that talks about self-esteem. And so because they're, they're hearing these messages over and over in multiple places, that's increasing their self-esteem. Or, you know, they could have entered your program in a really bad place uh, and, and things got better since they've been in your program. It has nothing to do with your program, but yes, they feel like their self-esteem has increased. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the point of uh, asking them on paper and recording it, but also the way that you ask. You know, you need to directly ask, do you feel this program increase, increase your self-esteem? Instead of, you know, that's very different from, do you think your self-esteem increased in the past 12 weeks? Right. And you happen to be in this <laughs> yes. <specific>. Yeah. Again, <laughs> back to being specific and, yeah. and detailed. Yeah. yeah really important and again awesome. keep it on paper <laughs> yeah. i'm always saying that mm -hmm. i'm always saying because that. your memory goes but the paperwork will always be there as long That's as you, right. keep it, you know yeah. scan it file it away whatever so that when you need it you can always go back to it yeah, yeah. So i i definitely believe that so that I was have, some great information <laughs> i was just gonna say i have no idea where we are in time Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that was really, really good information. And I hope that the audience really takes heed to it. I mean, it was simple. It was just the things that you, it was almost like you gave a bullet point, <laughs> yeah. you know, a checklist. Here's yeah. what you need to do. So that was really good. So do you want to tell the audience where they can find you and what programs that you have that can help them to um, sure. guess, Absolutely. achieve sustainability and profitability in their nonprofit organization? So what, some of the services that we provide for nonprofits um, is one of the biggest services we provide is grant writing, but we also provide um, program development, uh, grant management. If you've got a grant and you're not quite sure how to manage it, manage it and stay in compliance with the requirements for that grant, we can help with that. Um, we do help with some uh, social science and research strategies like developing those questionnaires and making sure they're worded correctly um, to make sure that you're collecting the information that you, you think you're collect, you want to collect. Um, but we can, anything between programming and grant writing and evaluation, we've pretty much got that covered. Um, I do offer a um, online on-demand grant writing class um, online. You can find it at our website. And um, 
You can also, uh, from our website, reach us and schedule a technical assistance call or a one-on-one -on -one, uh, kind of problem-solving um, advice kind of call. Uh, and we do offer free 30-minute consultations. And all of those can be scheduled um, and booked from our website. And that is at VolcanoConsultant.com. All right. Well, thank you, Ranisha. Thank you for being um, my guest today. And like I said, this was a very informative um, discussion on programming because that is the lifeblood of a nonprofit organization. That is how you're going to get your funding. That's right. And that is how you're going to impact the community. So thank you again for being my guest today. Thank you. You're welcome. Good night. Okay, nonprofiteers, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. And remember that there's someone in your community counting on the services that your nonprofit organization offers, and it is your job to make sure that you get it right. Until next time, I'm Tracy V. Allen.